0: 10 Creative Side Hustles That Make Real Money, Part 5. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, because your 9 to 5 may make you a living, but your 5 to 9 makes you alive. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your loved ones. May this day and all your days be filled with a little more gratitude. As I've mentioned, I'm incredibly grateful to be able to do this as my job in this annual Thanksgiving episode is probably my favorite episode of the year to put together. This is where I get to showcase some of the most interesting business ideas that have come across my desk over the last 12 months. If you're new to the show, this is the fifth annual installment. I highly encourage you to check out the previous editions as well. I'll link those up for you in the episode description in the show notes for you. Creative Side Hustle number one is a seasonal business that Might be a little late to start this year, but I promise it'll inspire you to go scout a prime location for next year.
1: My name is Andrew Ginkola and my business is Christmas tree stands. So my wife and I, very early on when we first got married, we started to try to think of ways to make extra money. And one of the side hustles that we came up with was starting a Christmas tree stand. And the way we came up with this idea is her aunt actually had two Christmas tree stands and she would make $100,000 a year just during the Christmas tree season. So we were in the perfect situation because she agreed to connect us with her Christmas tree farm and boom, we were in business. So the steps that we took was first to find a good location. We went to go find a good location. We looked for a local church because we figured maybe some of the congregation would come and be customers in addition to being able to be next to a very busy road. So we found that location. And the second thing you have to do with a Christmas tree stand, and this is one of the major startup costs, is you have to find a tent. So we found a tent that we could rent for $1,200 a month, and it is a 100-foot tent where you could fit all of the trees underneath there and be able to display your trees as well. Because especially in the Florida heat where I live, the trees can dry out really quickly if you don't have that overhang. Then you have to go and get your supplies. So some of the supplies we had to get was a sign for the side of the road, tags for trees. Christmas wreath rings where we could actually make Christmas wreaths, which we'll talk about in a little later. And then we had to get a bunch of Christmas tree stands as well because we can have additional revenue sources with that. Then we had to get fencing to surround the fence so that nobody walked into the Christmas tree stand in the middle of the night and actually stole our trees. And then poles, pole drivers and a bunch of other small things as well. So right in total we spent originally right around $3,000 on the miscellaneous supplies and in addition, about $1,200 on the tent. Then you have to actually go and get the trees. They usually give you the trees on credit. And luckily, my wife's aunt hooked us up with that Christmas tree farm. So they gave it to us on credit. And our inventory was about $7,000. But we put a down payment of right around $1,000. And then the rest of the trees, after we sold them, we could pay the farm the rest of it. So the way we got our first customers was, A, we had a very large sign by the side of the road, and then B, we set up a Facebook page as well and invited all of our family and friends to this Christmas tree stand. So that's how our first customers came along, and then word of mouth spread throughout the town, and people started coming in. So how much money can you actually make selling Christmas trees? So here's some of the cost breakdown, because it depends on the size of the Christmas tree. So if you sell a six or seven foot Christmas tree, the cost is about 20 bucks, and you can sell them for right around 40 to 50 dollars. A seven to eight footer is 30 bucks cost. And you could sell them for right around 60 to 95 dollars. But as they get larger, you can make a lot more profit. For example, if you sell a 10 or 11 foot tree, the cost is 50 bucks and you can sell them for 100 to 200 dollars. And most of them will land right around that 200 dollar range. And for the massive ones, we even sold one tree for 400 dollars for a 12 foot tree that was absolutely massive. So the larger the tree you sell, the higher the profit margins that are available. And the best customers that come in are the ones that walk in and say, I want your biggest tree. That is my favorite thing to hear, because when they do that, I know my profit margins are going to be really high. But there's additional revenue sources that we had as well. So number one is when you sell a Christmas tree, you have to clip the bottom and make sure it looks nice. And so with those clippings, you can actually turn them into wreaths. So my wife figured out how to make wreaths out of the Christmas tree clippings. And so you could sell those wreaths for $20 to $35 at checkout. In addition, we sold the stands, the Christmas tree stands that you actually held your Christmas tree in. And so we would buy those for $5 to $20, depending on the size. And then we would sell them for $20 to $40. And then lastly, we'd also sell poinsettias as well. Um, we put them by the checkout desk there, and people would grab these giant poinsettias that we would buy. We'd get them for $5 a piece, and we'd be able to sell those for $25. So the first year that we set up this Christmas tree stand... Even with all of these additional costs for getting set up, we still made about $7,500 in five weeks. I think that's a great profit for the very first year. And then year over year, if you can get a better location, you can make so much more. Profits rose to well over $20,000 after we saw how to get a better location and actually sell to more people. And the longer you do this, the more customers are going to come back every single year. Now, we don't have the Christmas tree stands anymore. And the reason for this is because we have a bunch of other businesses and projects that we are working on now. For one, I'm the host of the Personal Finance Podcast, which you can listen to on any podcast player that you love. And in addition, I'm the founder of MasterMoney.co. But we have a bunch of other businesses and online businesses that we like to work on now. But Christmas tree stands are still a fantastic opportunity and an amazing way to have a side hustle where it's a very seasonal side hustle that you can make a lot of money quick.
0: I love the idea of scaling up a seasonal business where you could work just a couple months a year and potentially cover all of your annual expenses. My brother took me skiing last year with a friend of his who runs a landscaping business with a similar philosophy. Work hard all summer, ski every day in the winter. We heard from Dan Zercher on the Thanksgiving episode a couple years ago. He reported earning 160 grand a year, 165 grand a year with his parking lot striping business and taking every winter off. But a couple things stood out with Andrew's business. The first was the power of a good location. If you've got visibility, that does a lot of your marketing for you. I like that they started low risk renting the tent, for example, instead of buying it and paying for the trees after they sold. And then the other thing that probably applies to all our businesses is maximizing the value per customer the wreaths, the Christmas tree stands, the poinsettias. You've already got somebody in the door. Now, how else can you serve them? Much easier to upsell to an existing customer than go find a new cold lead in most cases. So thanks, Andrew, for that. Make sure to check him out on the Personal Finance Podcast. And if you like the idea of a roadside stand business. Uh, We did a deep dive on this in episode 514 with Shannon Houchen. She built a really cool business, essentially flipping peaches, low risk, low overhead. And she described multiplying cash pretty quickly, maybe turning a two or $300 inventory investment in produce into a thousand dollars by the end of the weekend. Again, episode 514. If you want to go check that one out, creative side hustle number two is selling your number two to science. Yes, this is a real thing and you can earn 40 to $75 per stool donation or up to $1,500 a month. One site even advertises paying $500 per donation, but the fine print says that you must be uh, male, you must be under 30, and you must be an elite level athlete. And I actually couldn't find anyone to verify those claims. Your sample, so where does the value Come from here. Who's paying for this stuff? Why? Why do they want it? Your sample is used for microbiome medical research and occasionally for FMT stands for fecal microbiota transplants. Uh, Apologies on the pronunciation there But FMT, basically using your healthy gut bacteria to help reset another patient's unhealthy gut. It's a relatively new science and a relatively new side hustle, but if you're in good health, maybe you've considered blood or plasma donations in the past, might be worth looking up stool donation facilities near you. This one is not going to replace the day job, but could help offset some expenses and make a difference in other people's health at the same time. Creative side hustle number three is going after robocollars. This was reported on budgetsaresexy.com under the headline, I made $40,000 going after illegal robocallers. So, unsolicited automated phone calls are often illegal under the Federal Telephone Consumer Protection Act, the TCPA. But the process to hold violators' feet to the fire isn't always easy. So, a lot of people don't do it. But author Steve Baus does. He described this multi step process. First, You got to make sure you're on the do not call registry, the do not call list, and that you have been for at least 30 days. Then you have to, when somebody does call you, you have to entertain this usually overseas caller long enough that you get transferred to the company's U.S.-based call center. From there, you need to, and this may take a little bit of nuance and skill, you got to get the company's name, their physical address, an email address if you can, and a valid callback number. Who are you talking to? That's what you need to know. And um, in some cases, Steve said you may even need to buy the product, provided it has a uh, refund period to protect yourself, to be able to tell well, who's actually selling this. Then what happens is you send them a demand letter, which uh, explains the violation that they made, the penalties they could face if you file a suit and they lose in court, and then you make an offer to settle. According to Steve, the penalty for each TCPA violation is $500, but that uh, fine can triple If the violation is classified as quote unquote willful, in other words, if the company did it on purpose, if they knew they were doing it, you can send this demand letter uh, through email or through certified mail. And Steve says it's about 50-50 whether he gets a response on those demand letters He writes, sometimes a response will say, you know, we disagree and then there's some back and forth communication, but it almost always ends in the company offering some sort of settlement, which will almost always include a multiple page settlement agreement and will usually include a non-disclosure section. If the violator wants to include a non-disclosure in the settlement, they need to pay extra. That's not part of the settlement I'm entitled to for their violations. It is fairly standard for an NDA to increase the settlement amount by $500 or more. So, It takes some time to play the game with these callers and to document everything, but can be a pretty lucrative side hustle. For Steve, he wrote in that budgets are sexy article that he had settled 15 cases so far for $40,000 net of his costs or around $2,600 a piece. All of a sudden, I'm starting to look at those unwanted spam calls a little bit differently. He adds that certain robocallers are just straight up scammers. They don't have any U.S. footprint or jurisdiction. They're never going to pay, you know, whether they're claiming to be Amazon support or the IRS or whatever the latest scam is. He says, look, you're never going to get paid from those guys. They're just criminals out to steal your money. They're overseas. They're outside of the reach. U.S. law. The go-to authority for what it's worth on this side hustle appears to be Doc Compton, who sells a $47 guide on turning robocalls into cash. What, what a niche, right? Uh, you can find it at robocalls.cash. And for what it's worth, Steve strongly endorses his program in that Budgets our Sexy Guest posts without any sort of affiliate link or kickback. Creative Side Hustle number four is an in-home lice treatment. Here's Side Hustle show listener Pam Skinner to explain.
2: Hi, my name is Pam Skinner, and I have a business that deals with treating head lice, I know that sounds crazy, but I love it. My business is called Picky Pam at the Beach, and my main website is LiceFreeKids.com, but my wholesale website for current and future lice professionals is SchoolofLice.com. I came up with the idea in 2011. I saw an ad on Craigslist that said, Lice Removal Technician, 25 bucks an hour. So I researched it and found a company in Cleveland, Ohio, who had a great product and would train me in about three days for $5,000. I spent another $5,000 and opened a lice treatment salon in Huntington Beach, California. My rent was $1,400 for 1,000 square foot room. But here's what's surprising. By the third year, my shop was generating about $375,000 each year. I got my very first customers by doing 10-minute presentations to local PTAs and distributing my handy LICE ID cards to local YMCAs, boys and girls clubs, and pediatricians. Think big. For example, find out if all the PTA presidents in your area maybe meet once a month and present to them. I presented to 25 PTA presidents at once, and 11 of them scheduled me to come to their school and speak. And the same exact approach works great for school nurses. So for us in 2020, we closed the shop. It was too much overhead and COVID hit us really, really hard. But we switched to mobile and in-home lice treatment, which I actually love. Our prices range from $135 for a mild case of lice to $175 for a severe case. And our products range from $35 for lice shampoo to $60 for a lice kit. We offer free USPS priority shipping, and I use both Shopify and Walmart.com as platforms. Currently, we're treating about nine families per week, so a little more than one per day. Our average ticket is $309, and the average time for that is about two hours. So we're averaging about $150 an hour. There's lots of benefits to a mobile in-home lice treatment business. For example, the startup costs, I think, are really low, $500 or so which would include your training, your startup supplies, basic website, things like that. You can easily schedule around full-time job or other commitments. If you want to learn more, please go to schooloflice.com. Hey, I don't advertise this, but I automatically enroll any of my wholesale customers into my online boot camp, which teaches you A to Z everything that you need to know to start up a home-based lice treatment business. So what's in the future for me? Well, two things. I'd love to do more volunteering through our Project Hope, where we go to orphanages and group homes and places like that. And we teach the staff how to check and treat for lice. I also would love to do a TEDx talk sometime. Maybe call it something like Tales from the Knits.
0: Big thanks to Pam for sharing. Again, she's at schooloflice.com. I loved her strategy of getting in front of large groups of What you might call customer faucets. These are the people who could be the source of a steady flow of referrals rather than just one-off customers. At nine families a week, that's a $2,700 a week business with pretty low
2: overhead. Having an accounting tool is a must-have for every small business owner. So making sure that you budget for that from day one. And the tool that I like the most is FreshBooks, especially if you're a service-based entrepreneur.
0: That's Sylvia Inks, a small business financial coach, on episode 349 of The Side Hustle Show with an unscripted plug for our sponsor, FreshBooks. Let's get your bookkeeping out of the shoebox this year and into the cloud with FreshBooks' award-winning invoicing and accounting software. FreshBooks has been making life easier for service entrepreneurs for the last 15 years. For example, you can automate your invoices, so all you have to do is sit back and wait for payments. You can give your accountant access to all the information they need to do your taxes, and you can accept credit card and ACH payments right on invoices so you can get paid faster. With all these efficiencies, FreshBooks is saving Side Hustle Show listeners up to 200 hours a year. What are you going to do with all that extra time? To start your 30-day free trial of FreshBooks with no credit card required, go to FreshBooks.com sidehustle Side Hustle to get started today. That's FreshBooks.com slash Side Hustle. baby namer. Yes, this is creative side hustle number five, the baby name consultant. You can find her at whatsinababyname.com. According to an April 2022 feature in The New Yorker, her rates range from $1,500 all the way to $10,000. On the low end of that spectrum, you get a brief consultation and a bespoke list of potential baby names based in part by an online questionnaire that you fill out. On the high end, which she calls the uh, full-service baby naming concierge, it may involve a deep dive into your family genealogy to find a fitting historic name. It might involve planning a baby name reveal party. It might involve selecting a name that's uh, on brand with your business. And in 2021, Taylor helped name more than 100 kids, which translates into an estimated income for this super low overhead business of at least $150,000. Instagram and TikTok appear to be her primary marketing channels where she has some pretty serious followings, 29,000 on Instagram and 70,000 on TikTok as of the time of this recording. Now, paying a naming consultant for your child might be a relatively new thing, but companies and brands have paid for outside naming consultants for years to help come up with just The right name. Now, if that sounds like a fun side hustle for you, you got to check out sites like Squad Help, Naming Force, or Crowdspring to be able to participate in naming contests as they come up. These operate kind of like a logo design contest that you'd see Design Crowd or 99 Designs, where the winner whose name gets chosen, they win the prize money, which in the case of naming contests, usually in the $100 range. So if you got that knack for coming up with creative and catchy names, might be a fun side hustle to pursue. Uh, Just be aware uh, that because the barrier to entry here is so low, the level of competition can be pretty stiff. You know, they might get 300 entries and only the top selection is going to win. The uh, alternative path is to do what Taylor did and build up your own personal brand through years of consistent content on social media. So good on her for doing that. Now, you know, I love a good unconventional rental business and our next creative side hustle definitely checks that box.
3: Hi, my name is Eric Strother. I live in the San Francisco Bay area and I am owner of rentbackyardhens.com. I've always really enjoyed keeping backyard chickens and everything that comes with them, including their fresh eggs, you know, to their funny personalities and knowing that when you think of your common household pet, like a dog or a cat, chickens usually don't come immediately to mind. But that said, I found that there are a lot of people out there, you know, many whom live in the city or residential areas that would love to have backyard chickens, but they're just not sure where to start. The concept behind Rent Backyard Hens, as the name suggests, allows people to try out backyard chicken keeping on a temporary basis. I supply everything they need, you know, kind of like a starter kit. I offer the mobile chicken coop, uh, also known as a chicken tractor two adult egg-laying hens, a poultry feeder and water, and enough organic chicken feed and coop bedding to last the rental period. I bring all this to their homes. I get them set up. I run them through a crash course in backyard chicken keeping. And when their term is up, I come and pick everything up and take it all away. If they ever have any issues or questions, they're always welcome to call or text me. Customers can rent by the month. And my prices range from 175 to 475 depending on their rental duration and where the customers are geographically located. I was inspired to start the side hustle during the pandemic, you know, knowing that a lot of people were stuck at home, knew a lot of folks were adopting pets. I had also heard that people were inspired to be more self-sufficient at home, you know, planting gardens, composting, etc., And I thought it would be kind of cool to combine the two, as chickens can be pretty darn entertaining. They lay eggs, they also offer companionship, and as natural composters, they do a really good job of turning your kitchen scraps into fertilizer from the garden. Although I'd love to take credit for the idea, I actually uh, heard a snippet on our public radio station a couple years ago about a company that had started a chicken rental service on the East Coast And I did a quick Google search and found that no one out here was really doing it here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I thought, what the heck, you know, let's give this a try. I uh, started my business in January 2022. I started with 15 baby chicks. I raised them to adulthood. I designed and built five chicken tractors. And of course, I knew one of the biggest challenges since this was a new concept to the uh, region here. Uh, would be educating the public about my offering and, of course, building credibility. Got my first couple customers from posting on Craigslist and asked them for testimonials that I could post on my website. And then, in an act of complete, shameless self-promotion, I had this bright idea to reach out to a journalist or a local paper and ask if they might be interested in running a kind of a fun story about my business. Well, they bet it worked In July 2022, the Press Democrat here in Sonoma County ran an article which our Bay Area ABC7 News channel picked up and they ran a news segment that very same week. The story quickly spread and generated a lot of interest. And as a result, I suddenly found myself with a waitlist of customers, which was a good problem to have. My startup costs included building materials for the mobile rental coupes costs for the chickens, their feed, the bedding, and a lot of other miscellaneous startup supplies costs, like my website, permits from the county, that kind of stuff. I'm currently still working from the red to the black, uh, since this is still kind of a new business with some startup costs. And so far I've invested about $4,800 in my company, and I've made about $3,500 of that back. I'm on track to becoming profitable by next summer. Looking ahead, you know, in terms of scaling this business, currently I'm working on writing a book, of a beginner's manual for new backyard chicken owners, writing more blog content for my website. And I've even considered, you know, depending on how well this business does over the next few years, perhaps even franchising it at some point uh, to gain a larger geographic footprint in California. Right now, it's just me and my truck. And I, you know, I think having partners outside of the San Francisco Bay Area would really expand the customer base.
0: That's awesome. Thanks for sharing, Eric. A couple things stand out. First, we capitalizing on broader trends, the trends of sustainability and self-reliance and gardening, and asking, well, how can I ride one of those waves that's already happening? I call it the piggyback principle. It's uh, easier to tap into a growing interest than to try and start something that doesn't have that same kind of wind at your back. So that was the uh, the first thing from Eric's call. The second one was uh, taking a page right out of the 1-800-GOT-JUNK playbook in uh, the PR strategy. In my episode with CEO Brian Scudamore, he talked about a really similar tactic in the early days of his junk calling business, calling up the local paper and pitching his story. The headline that resulted from that was something like, in a tight job market, college student creates his own job. And it's a great way to reach a lot of people very quickly and lend some credibility to your new business, especially if it's a service like Eric's where people might not even know that it's a thing. So it makes me wonder what other uh, niches that this rental idea could be applied to, especially if it's a big perceived upfront commitment where people you know might want to test drive it first. So I like that angle. I've got a free listener-only bonus for you with, I think, 20 other unconventional rental ideas that you can download for free at the show notes for this episode. Just follow the show notes link in the episode description and scroll down to number six, Renting Backyard Chickens. Creative side hustle number seven is headstone cleaning. There was a video that went medium viral featuring a then 12-year-old Naveen Town of Michigan who started a business cleaning headstones at his local cemetery. The story goes that uh, he got the idea when he and his family found an old headstone of a guy who died in 1895 with the same last name. Turns out it was Naveen's five-time great uncle, great, 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 great uncle, but the sight of his dirty headstone didn't sit well with Naveen, and so he decided to do something about it. He cleaned it up and then set out to give the same treatment to the rest of his ancestry that was buried there. Pretty quickly, the word started to spread. At the time of the video, Naveen charged $20 per headstone and mentioned that he did veterans headstones for free. Beyond just the cash, this unique business has earned him a ton of goodwill and press. Now at age 13, he was just featured in the New York Times Kids Edition. Could you offer a similar service? Another headstone cleaning service uh, that I found during my uh, research for this episode was charging $50 to $75 per cleaning with a 10% discount for veterans. And they offered it as a semi-annual or annual subscription service, which I thought was pretty smart. Demand-wise, I don't know if this could be a full-time income, around 600 people a month. Search for Headstone Cleaning Service, according to Hrefs, But that's worldwide, and this is going to be a highly local service. But still, there's almost no competition, which means you could pretty quickly spin up A brochure style website, you create the Google My Business listing and a few other uh, local citations and start to pick up some traffic. The other way that I'd probably market this, and this would have to be done tastefully and respectfully, of course, is to try and build referral relationships with nearby cemeteries, nearby funeral homes. Because if you could do even just a handful of these every month, you'd be adding 250, 500 bucks a month to your bottom line. A very unique and creative niche cleaning service. What else will fall under this category of a really niche down cleaning service? I'm thinking of things like car headlights, garbage bins, dryer duct vents, uh, You know, lots of opportunity to draw inspiration from Naveen. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Creative side hustle number eight is 3D printing and specifically selling physical 3D prints. Lots of ways to make money with a 3D printer, including selling the digital files, offering CAD and prototyping services. But I called up Side Hustle Nation's resident 3D printing expert, Nico Mendoza, and he described this as an underrated, high margin side hustle.
4: I know people who have very specialized machines and they sell car parts. And he is going to top seven figures this year. Wow. Um, it, it really depends on the niche, but it's, it's vastly underrated. If you sell toys, right, like the flexible toys that I have, most of my students, $2,000 on a weekend, easy. And they sell these toys for 25 bucks, 25, 30, $30, depending on the size. Okay. And it takes about $3 in material to make. Okay. And they go off and they, they sell them and do they sell out? Sometimes when they make $1,500 in just one day, it's bonkers, dude.
0: Are there similar marketplaces to go out and list this stuff for sale. Like selling this like eBay, Amazon, Etsy.
4: Yeah. So they're selling it on Etsy. They're selling it at events. They're selling it at farmer's markets. Okay. They're selling it everywhere. And, 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 and it's not just toys either, man. I know this lady who made $30,000 in one month, just selling cookie cutters. Huh? I know. Uh, I forgot which episode she was. The cookie lady. She's also in Livermore.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, so
4: she says, uh, I don't know if you remember, she 3D prints her own cookie cutters. Yeah, There was a bonus episode that you had for uh, dollhouse furniture, remember? Yeah,
0: yeah dollhouse miniatures.
4: Yeah, so, dude, they can make those. And I'm, I remember he made six figures, right?
0: Yeah, she, uh, well, she was like drop shipping some of this stuff. But I was on another one of these 3D printed product marketplaces. And yeah, it was like this cool, like, you know, mid-century modern furniture, but it was all yeah, like, dude, dollhouse miniature, 3D printed Right, like, right. You got to imagine the average order is pretty, like, if I'm outfitting my entire little setup, I'm not just ordering one chair. Like, you know, Dude, $200 like that, bro. Yeah. You know, for uh, right. 20 bucks worth of material. Is there a process that you like for doing the niche research or is it just like, hey, this is something that I'm interested in? Because it's so new. I just say, what do you like to make? What do you like
4: to do? There's not a lot of people doing it. The margins are so big. The industry is... Grow, it's just now this is not growing. It's actually still very, very small. Yeah, no one's really doing it as much as as uh, people think.
0: This one carries a higher startup cost than some of the other side hustles we're looking at today, but it can scale perhaps uh, a little bit better as well. In this case, you got to buy the 3d printer, the filament, the material for it. But most importantly, you got to invest the time to learn how to create in demand objects. For more inspiration, definitely check out Nico's YouTube channel. It's called 3D Printed Profits. You can also find him at 3DPrintedProfits.com. Creative side hustle number nine is a lost luggage delivery. This is why I always try to carry on, but when the airlines lose your bag, it doesn't make it on your flight to get sent to the wrong destination. There's a side hustle opportunity in helping reunite those bags with their owners. Travis Bolton is a teacher in the Dallas area who reported earning up to $800 a day making these lost luggage deliveries. He said he discovered the gig back in 2017 when he was looking for driving delivery jobs nearby and found one through a company called Express Bags, which I don't think is nationwide, so you'll have to check who operates out of your local airport. But Travis gave the tip of using an app called InRoute to help optimize your deliveries, make sure you're not backtracking. You can find him at idaddytrav on TikTok. In any case, an interesting side hustle with what sounds like pretty good earning power, lost luggage delivery. And creative side hustle number 10 is the White Noise Podcast. After doing a little bit of digging, there are actually dozens of these, and it makes me question why I've spent all these years talking. In June, Bloomberg did a profile on this business model, and in that article, they highlight a show called TM Soft's White Noise Sleep Sounds which around that time was earning an estimated $600 a day or $18,000 a month from pre-roll ads. You wouldn't want a mid-roll to disrupt the white noise, right? The creator of the podcast, Todd Moore, is actually something of a serial white noise entrepreneur. The White Noise Sleep Sounds podcast debuted in 2019, but Todd actually quit his job a decade earlier to build a white noise app for smartphones To gain listenership for the podcast, he relies on, what, from the outside looking in, an SEO-optimized podcast title that includes both the keywords, white noise and sleep sounds, and he reinvests some of his ad revenue into Spotify ads to attract new listeners. The show is hosted for free on Anchor, anchor anchor.fm, and at the time of that article was getting around 50,000 listens a day. It's pretty huge in terms of podcast listenership. Anchor is selling those ad spots on Todd's behalf it's a pretty crazy business. Uh, so maybe white noise has been done, right? There are YouTube channels, there are white noise apps, there are even Alexa skills that I'll offer it. But Todd did really well bringing it to Spotify, bringing it to the podcasting channel to the podcasting platform. So it raises the question, what kind of audio content is popular on other channels? And maybe we even broaden that to video content, but maybe doesn't have a well done podcast version of it yet. Where can you take something that is already popular, but bring it to a new medium, a new channel? For example, when I'm in focused writing mode, I will turn on brain.fm, which I bought like a lifetime license to on AppSumo years ago. This is Not FM. is supposedly designed uh, music to help you focus better. And at this point, it might totally be placebo, but it's a signal that I use to tell myself that it's really time to get something done. So maybe there's an opportunity to bring a similar style of music to the podcast format. Maybe there's space to play in ambient noise, coffee shops, cafes, like that kind of background noise has uh, some popular web apps built around it. Maybe it's an ocean breeze, a peaceful forest, a babbling brook. I don't know, but 18 grand a month from a white noise podcast is amazing. It's a testament to the power of some of these apps and marketplaces where it's hard to overstate the number of users they have, right? We've seen examples of this on Amazon where even the most obscure niche product can still sell and can still sell pretty fast. So it becomes a matter of putting your product, your offer, your content onto that marketplace and doing all the best practices to set it up for discovery and then wait for those people to go out and find it because somebody somewhere out there is searching for what you have to offer. So in summary, 10 creative side hustles that make real money, 2022 edition. Number one was the Christmas tree stand or even more broadly speaking, the roadside stand business could be a fast way to multiply money. Creative side hustle number two was selling your poop to science up to 1500 bucks a month, maybe realistic there. Number three was going after robo robocollars. Some you know detail orientedness or documentation required there, but could be worth bucks a thousand bucks settlement or more. Uh, number four was the in-home lice treatment with Pam making 150 bucks an hour there. Number five was the baby name consultant, 1500 bucks to help couples pick out the perfect name for their new baby. Number six was renting backyard chickens. What are some other unconventional rental businesses that you might uh, be able to profit from be sure to grab my list of starter ideas in the show notes for this episode number seven was headstone cleaning or a similar niche cleaning service that is really low competition number eight was 3d printed products thanks nico for sharing your insight there number nine was lost luggage delivery and finally number 10 the white noise podcast Big thanks to everyone who shared their stories for this year's roundup of creative side hustle ideas. If you come across anything over the course of your week, over the course of your month, over the course of your year that makes you pause and say, wow, you can make money doing that. I want to hear about it. Send me a note on those when you come across those. Nick at sidehustlenation.com is my direct email. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. FreshBooks.com slash side hustle is where you'll be able to start your 30 day completely free trial of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for freelancers and side hustlers everywhere that is it for me thank you so much for tuning in if you're finding value in the show the greatest compliment is to share it with a friend until next time let's go out there and make something happen and i'll catch you in the next edition of the side hustle show hustle on what's your favorite thing about thanksgiving
5: um, that you get to have macaroni.
0: The macaroni is the best part? Yeah. What's your favorite pie?
5: How much time do we have?
0: All the time in the world.
5: What kind of don't really like pie.
0: I'm all about the sweet potato pie. Do you like the sweet potato?
5: I like, kind of like apple pie. Apple pie? No. Best part
0: about both pies is really the whipped cream.
5: Kind of like... Cherry pie,
0: too. Cherry pie? I don't know if we've had cherry pie for Thanksgiving.
5: Well, cherry is a Thanksgiving food.
0: All right. So, uh, so far we're at macaroni and cherry pie. Okay. Potatoes?
5: That's easy. The fried potatoes mommy makes us.
0: <laughs> yeah, those are good. Do you know who's coming to visit? Who? For Thanksgiving.
5: I Hayes.
0: No, isn't that gonna be so fun?
5: We'll show them how our toys work. Then I'll show you where our bedroom is.
0: I know we've done Thanksgiving with them for fifteen years, but maybe there was a gap in the middle there for <laughs> pandemic time. So it'll be great to resume the tradition. But you got to share your bedroom.
5: I know. Is
0: that gonna be weird?
5: Well, if one of them snores too loud. I'll go sleep somewhere else. Okay. Because I can always hear Mochi snoring.
0: I don't know if Mochi snores.
5: I hear him going. That's how I hear him going
0: at nighttime. All right. Thanksgiving is a time to be thankful, to be grateful. Do everything that you're thankful for.
5: I'm thankful for my.